Welcome to the Collective Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, please visit thecollectivechurch.ca.ca. Aren't you amazed that we serve a God that is so close? It's not a God that is far off, that actually chooses to be in our space, in our everyday, and to love us deeply. And Jesus, we just thank you for your presence now. Thank you for this worship time. Thank you that you always show up. Father, every time we worship, we see your face, Father. And Father, we're humbled that you want to be with us like that. We really are humbled that you want to be with us like that, face to face. And Father, we just say back to you this afternoon that we love you too, Father. We love you too. Thank you for your goodness to us, Father. Sure. Amen. Sure. It's been almost a year since we moved into this house. Isn't it amazing like, how quickly time goes? But it was, I think we moved in just before the Easter weekend, and then we spent the weekend at Helmut and Vida's house and had Easter eggs there and the bunch. But, but it's been a year, and I think when you go back and we, you look at an anniversary of a particular time, you go back to what went into that period of time. and So I've been giving it quite a bit of thought this last week and, um, and also just realizing how God uses very, very practical things, our everyday lives, the things that we expose to and that we put our hands to, to teach us things. And yeah, so I just wanted to share some things that the Lord's been speaking to me about, um, uh, two particular things that it will sort of drill down to. But just looking at the building process of this house, having built it ourselves and not having had a contractor to do it for us, um, just how the Lord has used very real pictures to actually speak very clearly to me. And so I think what I wanted to call my message this, this afternoon is, whose house are you building or whose house am I building? So our story is we've wanted to, we felt for about nine years that we wanted to build a, a house, but it became very real um, a couple of years ago when we sold our other house to a developer and we needed to find something. And so we were looking for opportunities to, um, to build, which in this area felt impossible. So we thought, okay, let's take the easy route. Let's do a renovate, um, which maybe it's not an easy route, but it's maybe easier. Um, and it'll be quicker and et cetera, et cetera. So we had the option of looking at um, renovations and we looked at many um, in this area and uh, spoke to a lot of people who had done renovations and then heard all the horror stories that go along with that, right? Where you don't know what you're going to get when you think, oh, well, we'll just extend a room out that way. And then you realize this foundation isn't going to support that and there's old rusted pipes here and crack this and this roof won't support that and you come up with a whole bunch of surprises, right? Whereas we got the option, the Lord blessed us with a, a piece of land in this, this area and we got the option to build fresh with a new start and um, what's beautiful about that is that there's no surprises. So... As I stand here now, because I'm quite a visual person, I can have like a, an x-ray vision of every foundation, where they are, foundations under this pillar here, what's in the walls, what pipes are in the walls, where they are. I'm not going to drill into it by mistake. 
because I know where it is. I know the sewer pipes outside. I know the whole construction. I've got an x-ray of that because we were able to do it fresh from, a very, from the very beginning and start a brand new, a brand new build. And Matthew uh, 7, verse 24 in the message says, verse 24 to 25, these works, words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life. This is Jesus speaking to us. Homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words you can build a life on. And so homeowner improvements or renovation are things that happen above ground. Things that we want to make look, we cover that crack, that looks old, that's rotten, let's cover it up, let's board it up. It's all these things that are above the ground, okay? They're not below foundations, unless you obviously build on. But we get the opportunity to build a brand new life on a brand new foundation with no fix-ups. This is not a fix-me-up gospel, right? As if like a, a behavior modification where we get to just cover up over things. Oh, I don't like what I'm seeing there in my life, so let me cover that up. Oh, that looks beautiful, or that could look more beautiful. Okay, let me model and tweak and make that. No, it's a brand new start. And if you realize that you're building on a brand new foundation of what's being built here, and you say, if you are of that, you're what are we now building? And then whose house are you building? As you start to build up from the ground up. And as I said, it's not a, a fix-me-up gospel, a behavior modification. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 from the ESV. Uh, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, and I know all of us here, because I know you all, are in Christ. He is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. So we are brand new, and there's many, many scriptures that testify to us being not a, a fix-me-upper. We, we're brand new, and we get to get built from these foundations up. And so for me, there, there's many ingredients, but for me, I want to highlight three main ingredients to a building process, right, today. One is the, the blueprint or the planning stage, where you spend lots of time planning. The other one is the, the foundations, where you actually establish the foundations that you're gonna be building on. And then there's the actual, the actual building process. And so, anything significant in life starts with a dream or a plan, right? And um, for us, this was a significant dream. Um, it had been nine years in the making. Uh, and it was going to be a significant investment. So what did we do? We invested significant time and energy and passion into dreaming up and planning what this house would look like and how it was going to be built up. And it was fun, you know. It was an absolute delight planning this blueprint or this plan and sketching it out and dreaming what this thing could look like. It was a great, it was fun for us. And I think in the same way, the father sees us as significant and valuable. And in the same way, he has plans and he dreams up and takes absolute delight in dreaming up a blueprint for your life and for my life, my life, way before the beginning of time. And that's, isn't that, that makes you feel so special. It wasn't just uh, incidental, how do we fix this hole as you crash through a wall. No, no, long before time began, he actually planned and he had a, vision and a, um, a plan for you, Mila. 
Ephesians 1 verse uh, 4 to 14 in the message puts it so beautifully. It says, long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind. And it settled on us as the focus of his love, to be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. And what pleasure he took in planning this. Beautiful. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift-giving by the hand of his beloved son. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood pulled out on the altar of the cross. We're a free people, free of penalties and punishments, talked up through all our misdeeds, and not just barely free either, abundantly free. He thought of everything, provided for everything we could possibly need, letting us in on the plans or the blueprints he took such delight in making. He set it out all before us in Christ, a long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him, everything in deepest heaven and on planet Earth. Isn't that a wonderful scripture? And so what I love is that the, the blueprints or the plans contain all the passions and dreams and desires of the owner, wow. right? When you draw out those things, it's all of those things that are summed up in, those, in, the, um, in the plans. And it needs to be the starting point and the end point of what you come back to all the time, coming back as you're building, coming back to those, uh, to those blueprints. Because otherwise, when challenges come and you don't have your eyes fixed on a particular, you don't have a particular picture in mind, um, you are very tempted to give up. I think um, we had a, um, well, I had a moment like that. Kirsty wasn't here at the time. Uh, while we were building, when we had done the foundations and we had propped up this whole first floor and we were going to pour the first floor slab. And so there must have been about a, I don't know, a couple of hundred of these props holding up, almost like was like a baking tin to simplify it. I'm not a builder, really, but um, so it's a baking tin filled with metal and everything, but all of these props holding up this, this thing. And so it was the day, and the boom pump arrived on the other side of that tree, um, and as the concrete was starting to arrive and the boom pump got sort of rise up, you know what a boom pump is, it's like a giant thing that pours the concrete into, onto the first floor. Um, as this guy, he had a, he'd been drinking or he's on drugs or something, he bashed into where Jude's room is there, where my car is parked, that cantilever section. He came and he, boom, this whole machine bashed into it, and the things came crumbling down. And I promise you, in that moment, I'm like, I want to run, because I've got now, it started piling up 10 trucks of concrete in the road outside, I won't even mention how much money is in there. And once you order concrete, you don't send it back. You know, you need to deal with it, and it gets hard after a little while. And so I was freaking out and, you know, calling engineers and architects and, 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 and. And, you know, in that moment, if I wasn't all in, if I hadn't, didn't have a bigger picture of this family home that I wanted to build for my family, that's the moment where I would want to run, Right? And I really, it was probably one of the most stressful um, days of my life. And 
I think if you don't have a picture of what the Father has in mind for you, his passions and purposes and plans, his long-range plans that he's um, designed for you, if you don't have a hold on that and you don't have a grasp on that, when difficulties come, and I know I've got friends who have fallen away from, from the Lord because difficulties came, something in life came along and took out their support structure, and it was too much for them to bear, you know? Disappointment, whatever it might be, it was just too much, and they gave up because they didn't see the Father's long-range plan for them. They didn't see that he had specific desires and plans and dreams, that he had laid a foundation for them and had blueprints designed for them, for them to walk into, and they gave up. And what a tragedy, hey? So, obviously, after you've finished that amazing process of designing your plans, the next stage is, is marking out the foundations. And... Um, any site that is about to start marking out foundations, the very first thing they do is they clear the site. Isn't that a great analogy, the way we come to Jesus, that actually no matter what was there before, even if there was another dwelling, the site gets cleared if we're building a new house. Okay, so there's a site that's cleared, and then the process of measuring out the, the foundation goes. And 1 Corinthians 3 verse 11 says... For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And so there is only one option of foundation that we get exposed to. It's not Buddhism, it's not this or that or this philosophy or that philosophy. There is only one foundation that can be laid that we can actually build our life on, which is, which is Jesus Christ. And so the foundation is the most important, I would say, because it actually, depending on how big you've made your foundations, it actually it, it tells you what kind of a structure you can build on there. Is it going to be a one-story? Is it going to be a two-story? Is it going to be a 40-story? And so that foundation marks out and tells you what kind of structure can actually be built. So... After we'd laid the foundations here and poured the concrete and we're like excited, day one, we're going to start building. As I started measuring up with my foreman, the, all the different points uh, with string and tape measures and an end, we got to that corner there underneath our bedroom where the TV room is and we realized that the whole house, instead of it's a long it's a square house, the whole thing had shifted like probably about half a meter. So instead of the brickwork, which is like this, being on a foundation, which is like that in the ground, the brickwork was in midair, okay? So now it's like, oh my word, like what have we done? And it's engineers in, and how can we fix this? And you know, do we have to dig new ch channels? And do we start again? Or do we have to chop up the foundations? It was like all of that. And got to the point, and I was like, no, no, let's just double check this again. And we re-measured. And we had made one calculation error on the side that was a bit short. And as a result, the whole thing had shifted in a certain di direction. And it's like, you know, when your foundations are skew, you can't build, right? And so just because of that one measurement, the whole house was off. And, you know, if there's a, an issue with your foundation, the whole house suffers. Because after time, settlement comes... And things settle, and that's when you start seeing 
all these cracks started starting to appear in the building. And I'm actually very pleased we don't have one crack. <laughs> Which is one of the things that went right. But, um, you know, there's this... It's important as well because... It's the whole structure that actually ends up standing on that foundation. And I was in a... Um, Sorry, I was so I lost my place there. If we don't follow the designs, so give me one sec. I think I'm out of Mr. Page here. So it's the same thing. If if we don't understand this foundation that the Father has laid, that Jesus has laid for us, the perfectness, the completeness of that. We don't understand our union, the fact that we are made completely pure in him, the fact that it is a brand new foundation, that it's not a fix-me-up foundation that we need to fix up and we, we're permanently broken and and and. No, no, it's a brand new foundation. If we don't understand that, when things in our life start settling, when, the, when, when you come out of, you've given your life to the Lord and things start to settle, those settlement cracks start to show. If you're not building on a proper foundation. And... What I love is that the, the foundation contains the promise of what is to come. Okay? It's the promise of the building. So you've got this foundation now. It's the promise of this building that is going to rise up. This beautiful building out of these foundations. And Jesus is our perfect foundation. And he is the promise of our life is, is, is in him. He is the promise of this beautiful building that is our lives that get to be built um, on his perfect foundation. What's sad for me is when people just get saved and then that's the end. That's, that's the same as us building a foundation here and that's the end. Can you imagine not building on that? What a tragedy that is and how sad that is when you see a half-finished project where there's been a foundation laid, and then that's the end. They don't actually start to, to, to build. And why it's a tragedy is that, as I said, all of the, 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 the blueprint of the Father is locked up, and the foundation, sorry, the foundation and the blueprint that shows you what can, you can build on that foundation. It's there and waiting. It's made available to us as a free gift, right? And, yeah, as I said earlier, I know people and friends of mine that have given up because they didn't understand what the Father had in mind for them. They didn't understand their, their plan and the, the, the amazing love that he had for them and what he had designed for them to walk into. And I really don't want us to be those kind of people because, you know, you can build a foundation and if you don't follow the plan, you can end up building something quite wonky. And that's not what the Father ever had in mind for us. He had good, good purposes and plans and designs for us to walk into. And so I think today, I think I want to give an encouragement in two areas. One, to grasp the perfectness of this foundation, this flawless foundation that can withstand the harshest conditions and that can actually support the beautiful blueprints of what the Father wants us to walk into. You're not alone in building your life. The Father has set you on a firm foundation 
that can withstand anything. So one, just to understand the, the significance of our, of our union as our foundation, as our perfect starting point, and focus on that as opposed to a fix-me-up, home improvement type of Christianity. And the second one is a, um, an encouragement to build well. Because once you finish the foundation, that, honestly, that's when the real work starts and where real life begins, where you, you know, I think Helmut and Vida always say, you know, the cross is the doorway into, into life, into what's on the other side of the cross. That's when our life really starts. And so once you've done that initial foundation phase, the real fun part is when you actually start building, when you start, you know, when the plans start to become a reality, where you start to put bricks down and you see a wall go up and you're like, oh, that's what it's going to look like. I could see it, but now I really see it. And you start to see all of this thing. And um, it's, it's really, it's a, fun, it's a fun time. So I think once you realize and you start to build, you want to see, like, you need to follow a specific plan. Is the structure going to stand? And, you know, we, if you don't fo follow the, the architect and engineer's actual plan of what they've designed that you need to follow, you're in serious trouble. And as a result of that knock that I mentioned, um, we delayed pouring for quite a few hours. And as we got to the end of the, uh, the day, when the engineers had come and said, no, no, this is how you deal with it. You can actually pour, just not that part, all of this part. We had wasted a lot of time. And we had, um, we had this beam that was, was going up, or that was here, that is very weak on its own. Although it weighs a lot, it's like a ton, it's very weak on its own unless it joins with concrete. And so the engineer had a very specific design and plan that we need to follow on that. But because we took our eye off the ball, because it was now late and we were pouring concrete with cell phone torches, which was very unideal, um, we didn't get to follow. And I was watching parts and, you know, it was all over. They didn't get to vibrate this concrete here properly and you need to get all the air bubbles out so that the concrete can stick to the steel right and in the process of doing that um, they didn't so a while after we had finished about a week after while it had cured and we had props up under here etc we took the shutters off the little mold and we could see it looked like honeycomb around the steel borderline okay not terrible terrible but the engineer came and he's like, we'll wait 14 days and then we'll release these props and we'll see if this thing bends like licorice. Okay? And so I had, to, um, I had to pray hard. I had to go to my wife and say, babe, you know we designed this very open plan lounge. No guarantees yet. Please pray. But we might have to have a beam right here that's a pillar to support this thing, which would be less than desirable. And so, you know, when you're building, you need to have an eye on detail. Matthew 7 um, in the message says, Jesus speaking to us, but if you use my words in Bible studies, in, in other words, almost in theory, and don't work them into your life, you are like a stupid carpenter who built his, his house on the sandy beach. When the storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. And, you know, this was a moment where I was wondering, is the whole thing going to collapse like a house of cards and the whole structure comes, comes crashing down here? And the, in, the, the importance of actually going back to the engineer, the master builder and architect, and doing things 
according to their ways and their plans, right? Um, as I said, it requires total attention building. If we don't build with total attention to what we are doing, not on autopilot, but going and building intentionally into what every single day, um, and we try and take shortcuts, um, it's the difference between a good and a bad builder, right? And we had an incident with that um, where we t went away for our anniversary, I think in the, the October, just before we moved in in the April. And my foreman said, no, no, that's an easy one. We'll cast the slab up there. And I came back, and he had cast it a half a meter too high, the roof, which one little eye off the ball, and you've got a disaster of, like, do we need to raise the house all the way around? It's going to look ridiculous. You know, luckily we had a, a clever roof solution. But that thing of like taking your eye off the ball for a moment, your attention to detail, if we're not focused and diligent, things just, you know, you can just, that's as I said, it's the difference between a wise and a good builder, right? And we are called as sons and daughters to be good builders. Um, message, uh, in the message, Matthew 7 verse 13 says, Don't look for shortcuts to God. The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. Don't fall for that stuff. Even though crowds of people do, the way to life to God is vigorous and requires total attention. And so obviously we had the opportunity of building this house because it was our house and we got to build it. So we get to build it the way we want. But if I was building this house for Anton Rowe, it wouldn't be like that, right? It wouldn't be like, I just build this house like I want to build it. I would need to be referencing them, and I would be building the house according to their dreams and wants and desires. And, you know, I think, you know, Hebrews 3 verse 1 tells us that God is the builder, and, and we are his house. He is the designer and, and the master builder. It says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, you are now made holy, that's your foundation, right? And each of you is invited to the feast of your heavenly calling, your blueprint of what he's called you to. So fasten your thoughts fully onto Jesus, whom we embrace as our apostle and king priest. I would say they are builder and architect. And then it goes on at the end to say, every house is built by someone, but God is the designer and builder of all things. And so... We need to realize that we're not building our own building, that we are not our own, okay? And that's not, our, that's not like, oh, you're not your own. No, it's a beautiful thing to not be your own. When you give yourself fully to someone, when you give yourself fully to Jesus and you realize that you've been bought with a price, that you are not your own, it's a beautiful thing. There's a, there's a submission in that. There's a, there's a safety in that. Um, have you forgotten, in Corinthians, that your body is now the sacred temple of the holiness of the spirit of holiness who lives in you. You don't belong to yourself any longer, for the gift of God, the Holy Spirit, lives inside your sanctuary. You were God's expensive purchase, paid for with tears of blood. Galatians 6.17 says, From now on, let nobody bring me trouble or criticism. This is Paul speaking. For I am carrying the very scars of our Lord Jesus in my body. The footnote said they're the very death marks. You are not your own, you know, and people might find this even sacrilegious, but I could, in Paul is saying, even in his physical body, he carries the death marks, the crucifixion marks of Jesus. 
because we were co-buried with him, uh, sorry, co-crucified with him, we were co-buried with him and we have been co-raised with him and we are seated in high places. So our very bodies, who you are, me, right now, I am actually in Jesus, you know. That's why uh, Paul says also that it's no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me. And I think that's a missing ingredient in our understanding. I, often, I don't think like that all the time, that I am his. It's not my decisions, my plans, my purposes. But actually, no, I've been bought. What did it say there? You were God's expensive purchase paid for with the tears of blood. And so we are his house and he's building us up. Yes, it's in partnership through relationship and intimacy and going back to the master builder and building together. There is this partnership. But even Jesus understood that, you know, when, when things weren't quite going so well. And he's like, Lord, take this cup from me, but not my will be done, your will be done. Even Jesus surrendered his will over to the Father. And I think we are living in an age where it's all about me, right? Whose house am I building is the question that I ask myself. And as I said before, if you don't live with a big picture in mind, if you don't live with that sense of heaven and also that I'm not myself, the way you build is very different, right? You end up building your own house. Um, Abraham had a picture. It says in, in Hebrews 11 that he was looking forward to the city that has foundations and whose designer and builder is God. He saw that holy, the new Jerusalem. He had a picture of that. Although he didn't get to walk into that promised land fully, he gave himself to a bigger picture and he lived with a bigger picture in mind. And... We need to live with the big picture of eternity in mind. It's a combination of, of heaven coming to earth, right, and actually bringing that down to the very practical and living that in the day-to-day. Um, it's not about one day when. It's a very much this tension between bringing heaven to earth now, but it's also living with eternity in mind. If you don't live into in eternity in mind, you end up building a bit of a strange, a strange house. Um, because, yeah, I, I hope this is an encouragement just to, to live that these, our earthly bodies are not the end. And we sometimes live like that, that this is the end. Like, you know, something happens and the whole earth, you know, feels like it's ending. No, this is just a beginning. This is just our earthly tent. Um, Corinthians in the message says, for instance, we know that when these bodies of ours are taken down like tents and folded away, we're all going to die one day. It's not a bad thing. Paul wrestles. He wants to go there. Um, they will be replaced by resurrection bodies in heaven, God-made, not handmade, And we'll never have to relocate our tents again. It's wonderful. Never move again. Eh? Amen. Eh? Eh? Amen. These guys have just moved down the road here. Sometimes we, we can hardly wait to move. So we cry out in frustration. Compared to what's coming, living conditions around here seem like a stopover in an unfurnished shack, and we're tired of it. We've been given a glimpse of the real thing, our true home. 
Isn't it beautiful? We've been given a glimpse, our true home, our resurrection bodies. The Spirit of God whets our appetite by giving us a taste of what's ahead. He puts a little bit of heaven in our hearts so that we'll never settle for less. Isn't that a beautiful way how we can actually approach our building? Of like, yes, these earthly tents are going to be folded away one day. But for now, this temporary stopover, we give ourselves fully to the everyday, as Jesus has asked us to bring heaven to earth. But we live with this culmination of what it's going to be like one day. Even Paul, uh, last scripture in Philippians, this is his dilemma. He says, so here's my dilemma. Each day I live means bearing more fruit in my ministry. That's the approach, right? Each day that we live, fruitfulness of what he's called us to. Yet, I fervently long to be liberated from this body and joined fully to Christ. That was his desire. That would suit me fine. But the greatest advantage to you would be that I remain alive. So he does that. So you can see why I'm torn between the two. I don't know which I prefer. Can you imagine? I don't live like that. If I'm torn, like, should I cheat to go to heaven or to stay here? You know what? I really would love to go. Okay, but for you and for my family, I'm going to stay there. Can you imagine what kind of a sense of the picture, the big picture that Paul was holding onto? That picture of the eternity of what he was called into. How real that was that he said, I'm torn. It's like, should I or shouldn't I, you know? Versus like just being us stuck in our everyday life, doing things and building according to our plans and purposes. Do you see how we sell ourselves short? And so those are two things that the Lord has been um, really highlighting for me over the last one because the, the world is in contradiction with those two things that you know it's, it's about my comfort and my plans my thing and don't step into that and we've gone through quite a radical process of realizing like even yesterday Chris was like oh my word or today it's like back in that season like when we were doing that we were really selfish you know and we realized like how we all everything is built into us to look after our own needs and my, my encouragement today is like when we step out of that and we realize that we've been purchased by Jesus we're on this perfect foundation there's this perfect blueprint that the Father has for us to build not our plans not our purposes something much bigger something much more beautiful than what you could dream up in your clinging on in your hitting into the ground is what he wants us to build up in. And, and so realize that foundation and realize this picture of the one day when. It's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. We only have today and then tomorrow <laughs> and then the next day. But we need to build with that big picture in mind. And so, yeah, I, I just as a, as a community, I really feel that's an important thing that the Father's been speaking to me because... If we don't get those two foundation, that foundation and that big picture in mind, we build, we end up building shacks, and we wonder why things keep getting having to get pulled down. And okay, now let's rebuild again. You know, we cannot build truly um, according to His plan. I think if we don't get those two things right, and it's contrary, and it's not something that I'm going to preach on once and then we get it right. It's a process of understanding. You lose yourself, 
to find yourself. Follow me, Jesus said, and we get to um, we get to rise up into these beautifully living stones that get our, that Jesus is building. And so, yeah, it's an encouragement to surrender, um, but surrender into a Father who loves you deeply, who deeply, deeply loves you and is calling you to build this home. And then one day, when He's going to see you face to face, and He's going to say, "Welcome home, my son." my daughter you know um, like there's never an ex- no matter what you build here there's always the father's welcoming but he's like oh, do you know what I had planned for you do you know what we could have built you know what all of these plans and purposes that I had for you and that moment of face to face connection with the father when he gets to see him face to face and he gets to say well done like look what we did together what a beautiful picture can you live with that can I leave you with that picture as we finish off of just what it's going to look like one day when? Don't neglect today. Don't be like those Christians from the 80s or when it was that was just like one day when, you know, white knuckled, we're going to get there. No, no, no. Heaven, eternity starts now. But can we live with that picture? Because I feel like that picture has been a missing picture from the church for a while. That, that, that like, oh my word, that face to face, like well done good and faithful servant, not just a servant, my son, welcome home. Can we stand? Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit thecollectivechurch.ca.ca.